Amen. Remain standing, if you would, please, as you open your to the book of Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Quite often when we come to a book such as 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy or Titus or one of the pastoral epistles, sometimes what happens is we tune out. We think, well, I'm not a pastor. This is not applicable to me. This was written to a pastor, so it's about what pastors are to be doing, so forth and so on. But uh, this is not accurate. So everything in the Word of God from the beginning of of Genesis to the end of Revelation is applicable. We can take every single thing in the Word of God and apply it to our lives personally, everything. And it's important for us to remember this when we read passages such as what we're getting ready to read, because if not, we may walk away with the idea that that's not for me. That ought never to be the case in the house of God. Whenever the Word of God is presented, we should be walking away not saying, that's not for me, but now, what does God want me to do as a result of this? So look with me, if you would, at the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 4, verse number 1 says, I charge thee, therefore, before God, And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Father, I ask, Lord, your blessing upon your word and our heart's application to it. Father, that we would give ourselves wholly at this very moment to whatever it is that you would have us to do. Lord, we would not begin to look for excuses, that we would not uh, start to try to find reasons why not. But, Father, that we would just yield ourselves and say, yes, Lord. I will. Father, we pray that you would watch over and protect during this time. That, Father, you would not allow us to be distracted. And that, Father, you would not allow us to be a distraction. Because you and you alone are worthy of our attention. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I made the statement just a moment ago that everything is applicable to you and to myself. And in in verses such as what we've just read, sometimes we get into our mind the idea that it is only for the pastor that he is speaking. He's talking directly to Timothy, and therefore uh, it is not something uh, for me. Today's text is often only applied to preachers. I've been in many... Um, uh, different services, pre- pastors' services, pastors' conference. Uh, I've been in uh, uh, ordination uh, councils, been part of ordination councils. And this is kind of a go-to for those type of settings uh, to to the challenge and to charge the preachers to preach the word. But what I'd like to do this morning is to take just a moment and focus in on the fact that this is God's word given to God's people. And you, whether you are a pastor, preacher, evangelist, missionary, or Johnny Pewwarmer, you too are challenged with this message. You too have been given a, uh, uh, a responsibility to proclaim. 
and to preach. I'm going to pause from the message for just a minute because there's a couple things that I want to make sure that we clear up as far as things that are taking place in our church life at the moment. One of those being the mix group. And uh, if you've seen the announcements over the past few weeks, there's a, uh, uh, there's a group that's through the summer, the mix. They're followers, that just loosely translated, followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm loving hearing these kids come and quote the scriptures that they're learning. They have various things that they're assigned to do throughout the summer, different memory verses. Uh, and I picked those memory verses on purpose. Uh, there's uh, 24 of them in total, if, if memory serves me correct. Let's see, 8, and 3, 24, yes. And uh, there's, there's 24 of them, and they are purposefully chosen to try to guide some minds of the children in a certain direction. We don't just want kids going home knowing how they're supposed to live, but we want them to fall in love with Jesus Christ. That's our hope. That's our desire. And so as they go through the summer, you be praying for them and be encouraging them through this. And if you know a young person who would like to be involved in that, there are different things that they can earn by the end of summer if they do so, uh, even uh, uh, special outings and things like that. I wanted to make sure to clear that one up. But the second one that I want to clear up is the basic study on Sunday nights. Now, of course, tonight is uh, uh, communion night, and so we'll be celebrating the Lord's table. And then tomorrow we have a special, or tomorrow, next week we have a special uh, Sunday, and so that's going to be a little bit different. But generally speaking, our Sunday nights uh, are Bible study, and uh, this specific study that we're going through is the basics of church membership. It's a, it's a time for us to understand the basics of church membership. This is not a new members-only class. This is a Sunday night study to help us dig in and to grow uh, a little bit more in our understanding of what church membership is all about. And so if you've been curious about joining the church, that's a wonderful time for you to come out and be a part of that. But how does this tie into what we're talking about today? Well, if you are already a member of the church, guess what? You too have been called to share information. And one of the other things Paul told Timothy to do was the things that he had learned teach others also. And so while we're going through this basics uh, what is great for those of you who have been here for a long period of time, for any amount of time, you're able to get a little bit of a better understanding, and, and let's remove the uh from people's minds. And how many times have you been asked a question of things that take place in church, or why do we do this, or why do we not do that, and you go, uh, go ask him. Well, during Sunday nights, over the course of the next several weeks, you can go ask him yourself. And so that's what those Sunday nights are all about. And I wanted to make sure to uh, clear some of that up. Third, we don't have a slide for this one, Allison. I don't want you having to worry about it. But third, uh, we are wanting to get some uh, an adult Sunday school class started back up at the 10 o'clock hour. And Brother John will be up in the upper building starting next Sunday teaching a Sunday school class for any of the adults that are interested in being part of that. We have had uh, the children's uh, CPR prayer group going on. And all of these things that are taking place are for a specific purpose. And so while Brother John's going to be teaching the Sunday school class at the 10 o'clock hour, uh, and the kids are in here doing uh, their prayer time during the 10 o'clock hour, the Sunday school teachers are over here in the auditorium during the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, uh, we're all going at this with one purpose in mind, to be able to not be spiritual sponges, but to know how to share the information as well. In America's consumer society, we have just simply become spiritual sponges where we simply want to sit down and be fed. It's time for us to take the information and feed others. Just like Jesus said, do you love me? Well, yes. Then feed my sheep. There's a lot of sheep eating. 
not many sheep feeding. And we want to change that by God's grace. And so as we get into this message, this is kind of the idea that I want to portray to us is the idea of us being uh, involved corporately in the mission of teaching others and that you, my friend, and I are going to take responsibility because the question is asked, who then is responsible to preach the gospel? And sometimes I've heard people say uh, things to the effect of, well, I'm not responsible to preach the gospel because I'm not a pastor. I'm not responsible to preach the gospel because I'm not a missionary. I'm not... No, 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 my friend. If you have been entrusted with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, you have been entrusted with the responsibility of heralding this truth to a lost and dying world. You don't get a free pass because you don't have a specific title. And what Paul is writing here in this, uh, this uh, final charge to Timothy before he's ready to put his head on the chopping block, he is saying to his son in the faith, my son, preach the gospel. He says, don't hold back. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be fearful. I want you to preach the word of God. There's nothing better to preach than the word of God. But we have people who are more than willing to preach about Trump, about Biden, about this, about that. But when it comes to the word of God, we shut up, we back up, and we say nothing. The word of God says, preach the gospel. People are so quick to preach everything else. Well, pastor, what exactly is this charge that Paul is laying out? Well, I want you to notice a few things this morning. First, the charge is to preach and to evangelize. Preach and evangelize. Notice what Paul says to Timothy in verse number one. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Notice what it was just said there. He says, I'm charging you. I'm charging you. I'm putting to you a a, a command, so to speak. Uh, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who will judge the quick, that means the living, and the dead. So guess what? We think in our mind's eye sometimes we hear about the Bema seat of Christ and that all the believers are going to show up and Jesus is going to be the judge at the Bema seat of Christ, but God the Father is going to be the judge at the great white throne. No, 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 my friend. Jesus judges both the quick and the dead. Jesus said uh, that his father hath given all judgment into his hand. And so they're going to face, whether it's a believer and they show up at, 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 the, at the desk, so to speak, of Jesus Christ, or if it's an unbeliever to show up at the great white throne, they are all going to have to come face to face with Jesus Christ. All of them. That's scripture. As clear as we can make it. But I want you to notice what he says to Timothy to do because of this. He says, preach the word, the logos, the same wording that is used in John chapter number one. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So what do we preach? We preach Jesus. That's what we preach. We don't preach how great of a church we've got. We don't preach how good our food is. We don't preach how our music's a certain way. We don't preach how our 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 Bible's a specific way. We don't preach those things. What do we preach? We preach Jesus Christ. That's what we preach. Anything else? Just uncivilized. Now, notice also what he says. Look in verse... uh, Number four, actually number five, I'm sorry. Verse number five, he says, but watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Again, too often we become these spiritual sponges, uh, and, and we think, uh, that we just need to listen. We, I, I, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my Christian responsibility by simply showing up to church. No, my friend. It's like going hunting. 
If it's time to go hunting, hunting season comes along and people are making sure to invest in their shotgun shells, make sure they get their bolts ready, they got their, the, the broadheads are nice and sharp and everything's ready to go, and then they get it all loaded up and ready to go, but they never use it. That's what Sunday is about. Sunday, we come together for the purpose of preparing to go out into the world and then dispense what we caught on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is not your Christian duty, my friend. Sunday morning is getting charged up, getting armed, and getting ready to go out and do your Christian responsibility. We come together for one purpose, and that is to worship and and glorify the Lord our God. And what is more glorifying than for us to then leave and tell everybody else about it? This is the glory. We want him to receive glory, not how pretty our, our, our decorations are or how nice everything looks. And, and boy, you need to come to church because ladies just smell nice. That's not what it's all about, my friend. It's about Jesus. But he says to do the work of an evangelist in that. Now, I know people will say, and maybe you're already thinking it in your mind, someone is saying, but I don't know what to do. How can I go tell somebody? Because I don't know what to say. Well, let me help take that away for just a moment. If you are unsure of what to tell others, just start by passing along what you have learned. Start there. Start it this way. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Yeah, but pastor, they may ask about plate tectonics. I don't even know how to spell plate tectonics, let alone explain it. Pastor, I don't know what to do if they start asking about evolution. Pastor, I don't know what to do if they start asking about these other world religions out there. I don't know what to say. Hey, 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 just start with what you do know. And it's okay to say, I'm not sure, but let's go find out together. That's okay. But start with what you have learned. Uh, go back in, here in 2 Timothy, just go back a couple chapters to verse number 2, or chapter number 2, verse number 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, actually start in verse 1. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's as simple as it can get. I don't have a copyright on this message. Take the notes and go to to work tomorrow and tell everybody at work what you heard today. This is what I've learned. Don't worry, I'm not going to sue you for copyright infringement. I promise. Matter of fact, if you come back and say, I preached your message at my job site Monday, you know what? I might give you copyright. (laughs) Preach the word. Do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Now, the question then is, who is charged? Who is charged? Look at chapter 4 again. Now, he does say, In verse number one, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word. While it is true that Paul is writing to Timothy and there are two things in Scripture, when I read Scripture, I need to find, number one, I need to find the true interpretation. Look, you and I should not have two different interpretations. If we do, both of us ain't right. Matter of fact, both of us may be wrong. There's one interpretation. One. I may be wrong, you may be right, you may be wrong, I may be right. But here's the thing. When it comes to the second portion of it, that's that of application. There's only one interpretation of Scripture. Right here, for example, the interpretation is Paul is talking to Timothy. He's about ready to head to the uh, to the executioner's block. And Paul, in talking to Timothy, says, I want you, Timothy, my son in the faith, to continue to preach the word. Don't hold back on that. However, the application can be different for you and for me. That's okay. 
And so understanding, yes, Paul is writing to Timothy, but God's word is to be applied by all. Well, Pastor, I think you're twisting things a little bit. No. Go back to chapter number 3, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And notice what, uh, <clears throat> notice what Paul says in verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture, that means this verse and that verse, all of it is given by inspiration of God, and all of it is profitable for you. All of it is. Well, I know that, Pastor. God told the pastors to preach this way, and that profits me. Consumer mentality. Consumer mentality. I don't have a consumer mentality. I just don't want to be the one to do. I would rather have it done for me. Consumer mentality. Now, some may argue that this is only for the pastor, but it's not. As a matter of fact, I want you to notice what is said there in verse number 5. He says, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. He's talking to a pastor about doing what the evangelist does. Keep your hand in 2 Timothy with me and go back to the book of Ephesians. Just a few pages before all the T's. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4, I want you to look, look at verse number 11. Paul writing, he says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists. You notice that? And some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. The evangelist and the pastor were different callings, so to speak. But the pastor was not to neglect his role in evangelism. The pastor was also supposed to do the work of an evangelist. He was the one that was called to guide the flock, to shepherd the flock, but the evangelist was called to go out. He wasn't necessarily the one that was charged with the care and the, the shepherding of the flock, but the pastor, he says, to the pastor, he says, you're also supposed to do evangelistic work. It's not just for the evangelist to do. The pastor doesn't say, well, that's what we pay them for. That's what we tell them to do. That's what we send them out to go and, 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 and witness. They're supposed to go be missionaries. They're supposed to go be preachers in other churches. They're supposed to go win souls. All I'm supposed to do is stand right here and preach a couple messages, have people nod, go to sleep in the midst of it, and then it's my job. No, 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 no. Paul says you also do the work of an evangelist. And so this is a this is case in point where it's not just for one individual, it's for everyone. And so just because you're not a pastor doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to you. Listen, my role and my job as pastor, my hope and prayer is to work myself out of necessity, to completely work myself away from it. I want, as a pastor, to invest into the place where I am not needed. I tell people all the time in counseling. I'm sitting in a counseling session, and I say, my hope is not for you to become dependent on me, your counselor. My hope is for you to not need me any longer. And so as we go and as we teach these different things, I'm hoping and I'm praying that pretty soon you're just not going to need me anymore. And in doing so, part of shepherding the flock does imply following does imply it. It's expected. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11.
1 Corinthians chapter number 11, and again, as a reminder, in 1 Corinthians, this is a corrective book, so as Paul is preaching from the book of, or uh, writing the book of 1 Corinthians, he is correcting some issues. One of those issues that needed to be corrected was nobody was following the lead. They were doing their own thing and doing everything incorrectly, and what does he say? He says in verse number 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. In other words, as you see me making my way toward doing what God has called us to do, as you see me moving toward being more like the person of Jesus Christ, as you see me making this direction, and and as you see me teaching you how you too can go this direction, follow. There's an expectation in that. And so when Paul, by the, uh, uh, under the inspiration of God, is telling Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, to preach the word, guess what Timothy then is going to turn, in turn, tell the, uh, the congregation to do? Preach the word. Do the work of an evangelist. You see, Timothy is not the standalone in this. Timothy is an example. Paul, under the inspiration of God, is writing to Timothy for your example so that you can see what it is that we're all called for. Uh, Catch this for just a minute. The Great Commission was not given to pastors, missionaries, deacons only. It was given to the church. The Great Commission was given to the church. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go. That's what's being said. Not just to one or two people, but to the assembly. Now, I want you to check this out here. We see the charge. We see who is being charged. But the third thing I want you to notice is the purpose of the charge. Now, back here again in 2 Timothy. Verse number 3. And it gives us some of the reasoning. It says, For time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I want you to notice one of the first reasons, because we could spend a great deal of time on this, um, on the purpose of the charge and everything, but I want to look at just two main points of reason. The first being that people are turning away from sound doctrine to easy beliefs and stories. I'll never forget. Now, let me give a disclaimer before I tell this story. <laughs> I just said people are turning to stories, and I'm going to tell you a story. Here's the disclaimer. I love the Andy Griffith Show. Now, some of y'all may be like, oh, you're a horrible individual for liking the Andy Griffith Show. Well, you go watch your trash, and I'll watch my Andy Griffith Show, and we'll just be okay with one another. We'll still love each other, okay? So you can not like me because I like Andy Griffith and... You know, I, let's not talk about what's on everybody's TV because we'll all find hairs and we'll all start splitting them. Let's just, I like the Andy Griffith show. Back off me. Now, I love to watch Andy Griffith. And I've started re-watching all of them with the kids recently. But I'll never forget when we were down in Middletown, I came across an article of a church in the Cincinnati area that decided people didn't want preaching anymore. And so they met, Pastor, every Sunday. They watched an episode of Andy Griffith and talked about the life lessons. And their church filled up. Pretty easy to fill a church, I guess. Put Barney Fife out there shouting, citizens are asked. You're going to fill a church pretty quick. Why? Because it's easy. 
and they're turning to stories, fables. That's what he says here in verse number three. He says, but after their uh, uh, time will uh, come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Fables, myths, stories, what's easy. This is why you can have people with a 30,000-member auditorium uh, show up, read half of a verse, bat their eyelashes, and talk to you about how you can be a better you today. Call it church, and thousands flock. You see, the problem is people are turning away from sound doctrine. So now more than ever, we need men and women who are willing to stand up to be that one standing in the gap, proclaiming this is true doctrine. This is right. This is what you need to hear. Because my friend, they don't need another story. They don't need another fable. They don't need any more of this. What they need is the truth of who Jesus really is. And half of the stuff that's out there today is nothing close to truth. They paint Jesus in one picture, and then somebody else paints him in a different picture. And you've got people saying, well, I don't like that Jesus, but I like this one over here. And they're completely different, nothing close to the Jesus of the Word of God. Well, my Jesus just loves people. He would never send somebody to hell. That's right. That's why he left heaven, came to earth, and died for them. But they might send themselves there by rejecting it. And he's just. And he's not going to force himself on anyone. And so he's making the offer over and over and over again. And they're the ones saying, don't want it, don't want it, don't want it. So who sends who to hell? He's provided the way out. People need truth. People are willing to jump all over everything. You know, Buddha had what he called the silver rule. And the Buddha would say, do not to others what you would have them not do to you. That was it. They referred to that as the silver rule. Well, that's pretty close to the same, isn't it, preacher? No, if I don't want somebody to punch me in the nose, it's pretty easy for me to just not punch somebody in the nose. I can refrain. That's what Buddha was teaching. You don't want to be punched in the nose? Don't punch somebody else in the nose. Jesus' golden rule is different. He says, do unto others what you would like for them to do to you. That's one thing for me to refrain from punching somebody in the nose. It's another thing where I'm, you know, what I would like if I was, if somebody was mad at me and they wanted me to be, to punch me in the nose, I would rather them buy me a Sunday. Well, if that's what you would like, then when you want to punch somebody in the nose, take them to Dairy Queen. That's what Jesus is saying. You do unto others. Buddha just said, hands off. Jesus says, put action to the love. That's harder, isn't it? It's easy for me to do what Buddha says. It's a whole different world to do what Jesus says. You want to know why people turn away from it? Because they don't want the hard. They want the easy. They want the simple these fables, these myths, these moral superstitions, teachings, painting someone to be uh, to uh, to be a good behavior, but not actually pointing them to righteousness. That's what this is. Jesus, even in Matthew chapter five, he talked about uh, uh, fables and and uh, and he he talked about the the idea of loving your neighbor but uh, but hating your enemy. You see, Jewish fables over time had come to that place where it says, well, because Jesus said to love your neighbors and to not do certain things to your neighbors, then that must mean the opposite is true and we're supposed to hate our enemies. The Bible doesn't say that. Jesus pointed out a fable. He said, you're adding two and twisting Scripture. He says, I'm telling you to love your enemies. Do good to them. I want you to see... This idea 
of turning away. It says at the end of verse number three, after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. There are various ways that you can read the Greek in this. I'm going to give you two main. There's several, but I'm going to give you two main ways of reading this. One is that the people have itching ears, and they want somebody to tickle their ears and to tell them what they want to hear. And it says that they're going to heap unto themselves teachers, and the idea is because they themselves have itching ears. But based on the way the Greek is worded, another way to read this is that the teachers themselves have the itching ears. And so people will bring in these teachers, the ones that they don't want to teach truth, but they want to be pat on the back. Man, pastor, that was a good sermon. I sure am glad you preached that one. I sure am glad you didn't say anything to make me feel bad about myself. Man, preacher, that's the way to go. Man, because the preacher has the itching ears. Both ways are wrong. Both ways. You see, here's the thing. Children do not naturally embrace work, right? That's why you got a lot of 20-some-year-old children today out in the workforce. They all want a paycheck. Not a one of them wants to work, right? They know how to know how to go get a job, but they don't know how to work. That's children, right? I mean, come on, I got kids. I know what it's like. You take your kids out and you say, okay, this is what I need you to do. I need you to take care of cleaning out all this area here, make sure that all the rocks are out of the yard. I don't want to drive over with the lawnmower. I just got the blade sharpened. Let's get all the rocks. You go out and they're like, oh, it's hot. Pick up a rock. Dad, can I be done? No, pick up all the rocks, son. Oh, it's like 70 degrees, Dad. I'm out here roofing in 100-degree weather. Dad, it's too hot. Pick up the rocks, son. I picked up like five. Do the work. That's just normal. Children don't like work. They like what comes easy. There's a lot of spiritual babies today. The pastor preaches a message that means I'm going to have to do something. Uh, That's for somebody else. It's time for us to grow up. It's time to grow up. Let me give you the second reason for the purpose of this charge. Time is... Short. Look at the very beginning of chapter 3 with me, if you would, please. He starts giving this charge. He lets Timothy know something else. He says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such And people get hung up on the words they don't understand. What about the ones you do understand? I don't understand this one right here. What is incontinent? Well, how about the false accusers? You ever accuse someone wrongly? Do you understand that one? What about truce breakers? You ever make a promise and didn't fulfill it? What about that one? You understand that one? Do Do I need to go down that road? Covetous, whoa, boasters, proud, even Webster's not necessary for some of those. From such, turn away, turn away. 
the best antidote for heresy is truth. The best antidote for heresy is the truth. Time is short. Truth, which is the best antidote, is greatly needed now more than it ever has been. I'm, I'm fully convinced of that. Now, I want you to learn this about the itching ears thing. Learn today to trust the Holy Spirit to give you exactly what you need to hear as opposed to trying to get your own interests peaked. I can remember once upon a time I... I attended a church, and I just I didn't like the way the pastor preached. I just, didn't, I just didn't like it. And we attended for a little while, and I was just, this is, this is really not, this is really not something I want. I mean, come on. This, does this guy ever preach anything good? And I remember sitting in a service one time, and it was almost, my mother could find her way to the back of my head no matter where she sat in the church. I was growing up, man, if I was sitting so I'll never forget my dad, my big old dad coming over and plopping right between me and a friend of mine in the middle of the service. <sighs> Silence in the heavens for the space of the rest of the service. But that was one of those moments I was sitting there, and I just wasn't happy about it. And something he said, it was like God reached around the church three different times, popped me in the back of the head and said, listen. See, I had an itching ear problem. I wanted to hear certain things. And I didn't trust the Holy Spirit of God to just simply speak to me through His servant. Is the Holy Spirit able to speak to you, then trust Him as opposed to your own interests. Trust that the Holy Spirit will guide you the right direction. I want you to notice one final point. I don't know if you're anything like me, but growing up, the pastor would always say things like, uh, okay, I'm closing. Four hours later, I'm closing. I promise you I'm coming to a close. I want you to notice the time to heed this charge. We talked about the purpose, and I mentioned that time is short. But the question is, when do I preach the Word? I understand time's short and why I need to preach the Word, but when exactly do I preach the Word? Notice verse number 2. He says, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Let me give it to you this way. I'll tell you exactly when. You can mark it on your calendar. You can get you call Siri up here in just a minute and say, hey, Siri, remind me, fill in the blank, to preach the gospel. You ready? Now. Anytime and every time you get the opportunity, preach the gospel. Now is the time that we are to be proclaiming the truth of God's Word. Quit waiting for the right time. It is today. The idea of this in season and out of season it comes from the Greek eukairos and akairos. It's, <clears throat> it's coupled together closely with the word for instant. Notice what he says there, be instant, in season, and out of season. This does not necessarily mean that you have to be um, uh, when it's popular, when it's not popular. It, it does kind of carry that idea to it. But it gives the picture of an athlete preparing and eager to get to the race. You have a certain season. Let's put it in terms that we may understand a little bit better. Hunters, they yearn for opening day, right? Right? Hunters, they, they, they get the, they're out all off season. 
they're baiting their property, they're making sure that their feeders are filled, they're checking their stands, they're getting their bows ready, they're spending time out in the yard just flinging arrows, getting that muscle memory developed, and then come opening day, woohoo! see ya, I know I'm married, but I forgot, you know, it's just, that's, Man, hunting season is there, and I'm gone, baby. And then the end of hunting season, it's like somebody just shot their mom. <laughs> it's over. <sighs> and then what happens? If you're anything like me, I go out in the woods, and the only thing I hear is as I'm walking back to the car, the deer laugh. That's what I hear. I see nothing all day long, and then just laughter as I'm leaving. It's like, <laughs> And then all off season, sitting on the back porch. There's a deer. There's a deer. There's a deer. There's 10 of them. 10 of them in the field right beside my house. Sit right here on the porch. Just done. Hunters would, around the world, probably jump for joy if someone just said, you know what, this year, you can go hunting in season or out of season. Do whatever you want to do. Do what? So it's, not in season, but I can, I mean, they're going running for their stuff, right? They're going to go buy camo shorts just so they can go hunting in the summer. You don't want to see camo shorts. That is the complete opposite of blending in. The idea of being instant in season and out of season is, I'm ready. I know it's not time to do it yet. Now? Can I go now? How, how about now? Because I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to get out there. And I want to tell somebody about Jesus. I want to do the work of an evangelist. I want to hear somebody put their trust in Jesus Christ. I've been reading. I've been going to church. I've been getting filled. The sponge is full. It is oozing. It is dripping. And I'm ready. Just put somebody in my path. I can't wait. That's what it means to be instant in season and out of season. Always eager to share. Let me let me conclude it this way. Have you taken the charge to preach the gospel personally? Have you taken this charge personally? Think about it for a minute. This is for you. This is the time of the message where we bring everything to a conclusion, right? Have you taken the charge of the gospel of Jesus Christ, preaching it personally? Well, no. Why not? You know, many people are quick to let others know that they're part of a church but they're not willing to take the responsibility of being part of the church. We at Liberty Bible Church, we're called to preach the Word, to do the work of an evangelist. And it's time for us to get busy. Number two, do you honestly see the importance? You know, like they always say, you know, step one is admitting you have a problem. Step two is addressing it. Before you can address it, you got to admit it. I think some of us just need to simply admit, I don't see the importance. Can I help you understand the importance? What if it was you? Out there. You don't know Christ. You don't know that there's a way of salvation. You don't know that Jesus died for you. You don't know these things. And you're wandering through life, scared to go to sleep at night because you just don't know what's going to take place. 
You're wandering through life not uh, not knowing how that you can you can live up to what you were created to be. You don't even know what you were created to be. All you know is something's going on in this thing called life and I just I, I wish someone would come tell me. I wish someone would come come share that with me. Put yourself in those shoes and maybe you'll see the importance. I'm afraid that there's some people that would even put themselves in the shoes and still go, eh. Because they themselves, maybe they just don't know Jesus. Third, you ready and are you willing? You know why a lot of us don't share the truth? is because we're just not ready to do it. Because maybe we don't know it ourselves. Some of us, we're, we know it, we're just not willing. And so the first question was, who is responsible to preach the gospel? Who is responsible to proclaim the truth. You. You. Are you taking responsibility? Or are you shirking? Father, as we come before you, we pray that you would use this time of invitation. And Father, that as we give our hearts to You, that it would be genuine. That we would truly give ourselves to You completely. Father, we would not hold back any. God, that You would put the Gospel of Jesus Christ into our hearts in such a way that we can't do anything but share it. Help us, Father, to be willing to do this and to do it lovingly. To do it because we honestly care, not because we're trying to prove anything to ourselves or anybody else, but because we genuinely love you and care for this world. Father, impress upon every heart here the importance Father, break our hearts for the sake of the gospel and use us as vessels fit for service to our complete usefulness. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.